Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's, let's open them up to uh, two places. We're going to go First uh, Peter chapter 2, uh, and then a little bit later we're going to be in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible and you'd like a free one, we would love to gift one to you today. Just raise your hand and uh, Lacey will, will run it to you. Uh, it, it's a weird thing as we get started uh, to, uh, uh, to say that we are coming to the end of our summer season here at Merge as our kids are already at school. Uh, but in our minds, in the life cycle of, of the year for us, uh, we kind of think of the fall semester starting after Labor Day uh, and then the spring semester ending uh, right about Memorial Day, and then we have the summer season. And so uh, where we arrive today uh, is toward the end of uh, that time. And so on the 5th, like I said earlier, uh, we'll be launching back into uh, our merge groups and our merge student groups. And, and let me say this, I didn't, I didn't get an opportunity to say it well or really at all a second ago. Uh, when it comes to merge groups and you say, you know, Wednesday nights, it doesn't really work in the rhythm of my family. Uh, or you say, hey, I have a group of people that I would love to go through a Bible study with. Uh, what we want to do is help equip you for that and give you um, as much support as you need. If you wanted to run a merge group on a different night of the week, uh, you'll just need to let us know. And so we can, uh, if you need help, if you don't, just invite your friends to your, uh, you know, weird Bible study and then, you know, do whatever you want. Uh, but... Uh, when it comes to merge groups, what we try to do on those Wednesday nights uh, is is we try to say um, the merge groups we host at our houses uh, where I live and where the hearts live, uh, those are open groups to anybody. Uh, and then if you want to have an open group or a closed group, that's up to you and your place. And so um, so that's that's what we want to make you aware of. And so uh, and then student groups, are, you're stuck at my house. That's the way it works. And so... Um, and then on the 9th, uh, after, on September 9th, we're going to start uh, a journey together. It'll take us a couple months. Uh, we'll be opening up the, the Epistle of James, uh, and we will walk through it from start to finish. I'm excited about If you don't know the book of James, don't read ahead. That way everything sounds brilliant when I say it. Um, but uh, if, if you are a fan of James, those, those weeks will be really important for us here at the church. And, uh, but, but what it does now is it leaves us with three weeks. Uh, before we get from here to there. And in those three weeks, what we want to do is we want to come in uh, and we want to to cast just a little bit of vision or um, to offer a little bit of clarity on the kind of culture we're trying to create as we talk about community here. Uh, in fact, uh, there, uh, we're in the middle of uh, one of our largest seasons of growth. In fact, this is the largest season of growth that we've ever experienced here at Merge. We were looking at uh, some of our metrics this last week, and uh, last summer about this time we were averaging in the low 80s in attendance. Uh, over the last, uh, coming into this year, we're averaging uh, in the high 130s, low 140s. Uh, and so that's a, it's a considerable uh, jump, and, and we're excited about it because we don't, we don't get excited that we're getting bigger. What we're praying for is that as we get bigger, we grow deeper. Uh, both in our uh, walk with God and then secondly in our walk with, with one another. And, and after all, it doesn't really um, matter the size of the group if the light of the gospel isn't changing the lives of the families and if our city doesn't realize the love of God as it's displayed through us um, in, in this town. And, and so, so what I want to do uh, this week and, and next week is take some time 
uh, and talk about what we're going to call missional community. Now, uh, I don't say missional community as if we just coined the phrase and we're writing the book. Uh, it's, a, it's a phrase that has been out there for years and years and years and years. Um, but what we want to do is try to uh, define it as it pertains to uh, life here at Merge. And today we're going to talk about uh, being missional towards community. Uh, and then next week, God willing, or if, unless the elders fire me this week, which is always the case at some point, um, we'll talk about uh, what it looks like to be missional in community as it pertains to life at Merge. And so, and I guess that the prayer behind this uh, is that we would better understand uh, the why uh, when it comes to why we engage the people around us in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our offices, and then uh, how we better serve the people inside our biblical community. And so, as we get started here, let's, let's stop, let's pray, and then we'll get going. Father, we thank you so very much that you love us so, so deeply. And we pray this morning as we get into your word that we would be mindful about community. That your Holy Spirit would begin pressing uh, in our hearts certain people, certain places, certain opportunities that we have uh, to, to put your love on display. We thank you for this time. We thank you for these people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. All right. I, I think a, a fair place to start when I use a, a phrase like the word missional, um, I think a fair place to start is to define it as it pertains to us. And now, uh, if you have a different definition of the word missional, uh, let's just assume you're wrong uh, and that I'm right, okay? At least just until we leave. Is that fair? Is that fair? Okay. You got it, Lane? I don't, I don't think you're on board with that. Uh, and so, so let, me, let me give you this definition that we're going to be using as we talk about it. Uh, that missional is simply this. It's being intentional about reaching others with the message of Christ while serving them with the love of Christ. Okay? That's what, when we talk about being a part of a missional community, we want to be people who are intentional about reaching others with the message of Christ or the gospel while serving them with the love of Christ. And those two components are vital uh, when it comes to how we reach out to the world that we live in. And, and a great way of thinking about it is, is think of a global missionary. Uh, is, is a person or a group of people who goes to another part of the world uh, and they, they, they spread the gospel. They enter a town. They enter a city. They engage people. They, they strive to meet the needs of the community. And in, in doing so, they have a, uh, a very real sense of urgency about the opportunity and the, the intentional, uh, and they are intentional about declaring the gospel. That they don't, they don't serve for service sake. They serve because it lends them the opportunity to say something incredible about uh, what God has done in their lives. And, uh, and as it turns out, I know this is going to come as a shock to many of you, uh, that's the biblical method of the church. Uh, when we open up the Bible and we say, okay, what does the church do? This is exactly it. Uh, that that we can go, uh, we can go into the the book of Acts and we can see this modeled. We can see it celebrated uh, in many of the New Testament letters. Uh, and it really wasn't until the last sixty to seventy years where the posture of the church began to change form, uh, and the church beca- began to become a place of saying, "Hey, let's make sure everybody comes in here, and then we will serve them." once they're in the doors. Uh, and what we find in the Bible is there's a completely different set 
of, of expectations in there. And I know it's hard when we say, hey, we want to live by the Bible when it tells us to do things that we're like, I don't know if that's going to work for me today. Um, but like we always say, when it comes to those moments in our lives that when the Bible differs from our expectations, the fault will always be in our hearts. Uh, it'll never be on the Word. And so, uh, so if we are to be a healthy church, we must think through the lens of being missionaries uh, placed in Azel for a great purpose. Uh, there used to be a day in my life when uh, I used to think being from Azel was just something you kind of laughed at. You know, like, oh, I'm from Azel, you know. And, uh, but, but now that, now that I'm, I'm grown and I get to see uh, how special this community is, uh, my heart longs to serve this city. Uh, my heart longs to serve. I, I get to be proud of the kind of community we live in, warts and all. Let's just be honest about that, right? Uh, we have some very real flaws in our town. Um, but nonetheless, we have a great opportunity to serve this city that we love uh, so deeply. And, and so as we, as we start thinking through, if we are to be a healthy church, we have to be missionaries to this town uh, the way a person would, would travel across seas to serve as missionaries. I, I think before I give you some thoughts, I want to take you to this, this place in First Peter chapter 2. Uh, and in it, I think it, we're going to piggyback some of our thoughts uh, because what it does is it, is it helps us understand what the role is of the church and more specifically, the role of the Christian. Uh, and so, so we're going to jump into verse 9, but again, I'm not a big fan of just picking and choosing a verse. So let me tell you kind of the lead up into uh, 1 through 8 and where, where Peter is coming in and he says, listen, um, as you grow in Christ, there are some things that you want to push away uh, and turn away from in your life. And he says uh, things like put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. And then he says, and now there are things you want to begin desiring as you walk. And he says, he puts it this way, that you would uh, desire spiritual milk as you grow in in salvation. And if you don't like milk like me, you desire Dr. Pepper. Um, because it has just the same amount of nutritional value. Uh, that's science. Don't check me. Just know it's true. Um, and and so, so in verse 9, Peter reveals something powerful regarding about who you are if you are indeed found in Christ. And he, sa- he says this. He says, but you... Okay, so who? Uh, yeah, let's try it again. He says, but you... Now who? Very good. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a a holy nation, a people for whose possession? His. Very good. I appreciate you trying to be louder that next time because we'll be here all day. All right? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his his own possession. So so if you are a believer, you need to understand that God has chosen to rescue you in Christ for purpose. He's chosen to rescue you in Christ for purpose. You are a person of His possession. He has purchased you uh, with, with a great price because of His great love. And the challenge found in the Gospel is that there is no... Christian compartment and a self-compartment. You with? That, that there isn't a box that you say, okay, well, I'm, 
I'm a Christian in this moment, and then I am myself in this other moment. In fact, uh, everything that happens in our lives uh, because of Christ now gets wrapped into this fact that God has purchased you, and you are a person of His possession. And that, oh man, that's good news. That's good news, because if I'm left to be a person of my own possession, I will self-sabotage very quickly. I will tear it all down. I will blow it all up. And so, so the challenge we find is there's no compartments. And so our lives become beacons for the display of the love of God. And so, so the next question is, is, how do we live as beacons? And he says this in uh, the end of verse 9. So you are people of His possession that you may proclaim the excellencies. I love that word. It just sounds fun to say, right? Uh, it proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Into His marvelous light. So, so we're not just chosen, we are called. Uh, and, and we are commissioned to proclaim the excellencies, the, the greatness, the majesty of how God called us out of the darkness, which is simply, as we talk about darkness in the Bible, it's, it's sin that leads to death, separated from God. That God has chosen us to proclaim the excellencies of Him who calls us out of that darkness into His marvelous light. Which is simply hope, love, joy, peace, which leads us to intimacy with the Father. This is great news. In fact, he says this in verse 10. That once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I think there, there are a lot of places in the New Testament that you can go and find out uh, your life apart from Christ. And, and there, there, there's ways that they describe it that you were alienated, you were hostile, you were separated, you were, you were alone. But verse 10 brings us this, this great hope in helping us understand that God not only brings us to Himself, which, by the way, would be more than enough. If all we got in receiving Jesus was God, that's more than enough. But what we find is He gives us that, but then He also includes us in the community, in the body of Christ. That He puts us together for a purpose, for a great reason. And now how we operate in community reflects how we understand what He's doing in our lives. And... And this is where missional living uh, comes into play, especially when it comes to the ways we operate together uh, as, as a church body. And so, so with that in mind, what I want to do is I want to give, I want to talk about three ways this plays itself out here at Merge when it comes to um, the priorities that we set um, before us as leaders and as people who are part of, of this family. And, and so I'm going to just give you three quick ones, uh, which... I just say the word quick because that's what I intend to do. But if I don't say this quickly, just deal with it, all right? So, so here we go. The first one is this. That merges is missional uh, when we rely on the life-changing power of the gospel. We are missional when we are relying on the life-changing power of the gospel. And now here's what, here's what you need to know from my heart. That if our mission becomes anything other than that, then we might as well just shut it down. 
Might as well close the doors. Might as well just say, hey, let's tear down the website. All right? Uh, Because God is very clear about, I share my glory with no one else. So if you want to try to create something that is apart from what I am doing, I'm just letting you know my blessing doesn't come on that. I don't follow that. I don't celebrate it. And and I, I say this quite a bit, and I've said this really much more frequently than I anticipated, and I feel like I should in this season. Um, when it when it comes to uh, our motivations for being in this city, uh, people will say, "Well, why are you here? Um, what what are you trying to do?" And and I find myself saying that that we have zero desire to compete here. We're not building a church to compete. We have no desire for that. In fact, what we are interested uh, in is, is being a part of what God is doing in this community as we walk alongside some incredible churches that are already established here, as we get to walk alongside them and we get to serve a community and we get to reach people who are far from God whose greatest need in life is that they would find life in Christ. That's the design. That's the goal. And so uh, our elders, we are unanimous in this. We, we don't evaluate our effectiveness by looking over our shoulders. Uh, we don't look at other churches and say, well, how can we compete with that? Uh, it's not, this is what you get when you're here. Uh, and we evaluate our effectiveness in, by, by asking God, what adventures do you have for us? And then are we courageous enough to adventure with them? Okay, if God tells us to do something, do we say, are we courageous enough to actually go do those things? And then uh, we, we, we evaluate our effectiveness by asking, are our families here? Are we growing in our love for God? Are we growing in our love for each other? Are our men, are they stepping up to the plate? Are they being spiritual leaders? Are we helping equip them to be the spiritual leaders of their homes? Do we see in our kids' lives fruit that they desire to love God? that they desire to reach their friends for Christ? Uh, Do we open up the Bible on Sundays, and are we willing to walk through the verses, even if they're uncomfortable at times? Uh, Are we willing to say, hey, maybe we need to deal with that before we do anything else with our lives? Are we equipping, this is the big thing for me, are we equipping the people of Merge to live out the gospel when we're not gathered? Meaning this, so... So if I ran into you, or if I was 50 yards behind you, uh, 50 feet behind you, 50 yards is a long distance, um, are, are you ninja-punching people at Walmart, right? Or better yet, sometimes you're like, we really deserve it. No, that's not the way it works. That's, that's a different lesson about justification altogether. But, but are, are we doing those things? When you see my life, does it line up with a person who deeply loves God? And are we accountable to one another? Realizing there's a difference between judgment and accountability. Uh, and when love is laced on it, we find accountability. When love is voided of it, we find judgment. And so, so are we equipping each other to live out the gospel when we're not together? Because these days are easy, right? The car ride here might have been hard. You might have been fighting with your kids. You might have punched one of them. I don't know. But once you get out, you say, all right, you know, and then there's something great about being here, right? It's great getting to see people that actually like you and love you and choose to be around you. But what about all those other times when we, when we aren't gathered? And, and here's what we need to know, that the only power, 
the only power that can change the lives of people forever is the power of the gospel. It's the good news of Christ, that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you, and that Jesus will bring you back to your relationship with, with the Father, which is part of proclaiming his excellencies. That's what we get to say as Christians, that, that God saved me. And if he saved me, he's more than willing to save you. Number two, marriage is missional. Number two. You were like, it was like junior high Allen there like this. He's like, oh man, sports is so much fun. Um, Merge is missional when we celebrate people coming to Christ over the size of the crowd that assembles. Okay? Merge is missional when we celebrate people coming to Christ over the size of the crowd. It's exciting uh, to me. It's exciting that so many people uh, have decided to spend time with us these past few months, really since January, and we're excited about those who are taking those next steps in community here. And it's, it's a weird way of saying it this way. Um, it, it's hard for me to know all of your names because, like, you all showed up at the same time. Uh, and so, so it's a fun challenge that we get to experience here. Um, uh, but, and, and I'm also amazed that you guys keep showing up considering we barely know what we're doing, um, like hardly at all. Uh, and, and, so, and so I don't want to sound ungrateful when I say this next thing uh, because I, I value your time. And I know how important it is to find the right kind of biblical community, uh, the right kind of people to do your life with. But, but I do want to be very clear about this, that the numbers we really want to celebrate here, the, the numbers we long to gauge effectiveness and the health off of are, are those who go from death to life because of Jesus. That's the ones we want to celebrate. That, uh, it's, it's those who are willing to risk with God and adventure with Him. Those are the things uh, we want to celebrate. And we, we've joked around uh, this summer about Chair Mageddon, um, about how we were running out of chairs, and then Jessica played the practical joke of taking all the extra chairs we were still in, you know, which was not very fun. Um, but, uh, but, but again, part of our mission is, is this, that, that there's a danger that lurks in the church that is growing. Okay? And I know it lurks here because it lurks here in my own heart, is that we would confuse the size of the crowd with the health of the church. Okay? That you would confuse, oh, there must be a lot of, there's people here, so then this must be a healthy place. And that's a very dangerous game to play. And so we want to be very aware that we don't, you know, we don't celebrate the days when we have the highest attendance. You don't give us, we don't, I don't get a bonus if you invite all your friends to show up on one day, right? It doesn't work that way. Because the size of the church doesn't determine the health of the church. And so we'll be very mindful about how that's playing itself out. And if we're not being intentional about reaching others with the message of Christ while serving them with the love of Christ, then here's what I know. We can, we can end up nowhere thinking we are going somewhere. Uh, and I know this because this has been part of my, my life in being part of church leadership. I was part of a church that was like that. A big part of my frustration uh, and dis, uh, discontentment um, was being part of a culture that says, hey, as long as we got people here, then everything's good. Uh, forgetting the fact that we weren't going anywhere for a considerable season of life. So we'll be very aware 
of those footsteps when we come to uh, what we do, which leads us to, to our third thought. And I've, I've, I've intentionally set up the, uh, the first two thoughts to talk about merge. Now we're going to talk about you, all right? Does that sound fair? So if I haven't stepped on your toes enough this morning, let's talk about this. That merge is missional when the people of merge are missional. Merge is missional when the people of merge are missional. And here's what you need to know. If our intention as a church here is to be a missionary to this city, then you need to understand that you can be a missionary without ever leaving your zip code. You can. You are, if you are in Christ, you are a missionary without ever leaving your zip code. But know this, you will never stumble into missional living just by going to church. You will never just accidentally become more missional-minded. If a church is a collection of people, then a healthy church is a collection of healthy people. That's the way it plays itself out. And so, so since we are proclaimers of God's marvelous light, and since we are reflections of God's mercy on display, then we live on mission by being intentional about reaching others. And so let's just ask that question to you. Are, we, are you being intentional about reaching others for Christ? It's rhetorical. That means you don't have to answer it out loud. Necessarily. And I think, I think one of the shifts, uh, if we are to be a missional community, uh, is, is, is thinking, is shifting from this thinking that, that Sunday is the primary form of evangelism in my life. Uh, and the way that works is typically you invite your friend to church and then the pastor, who's supposed to be a professional, closes the deal for you, right? That's, that's the model that we've created in our culture. Uh, when, again, the problem with that model is it, it's not biblical, by the way. There, there's not a moment in the book of Acts that says, hey, they had friends Sunday and then um, Peter had the church service and then he gave the invitation and people came to Christ. That the model of evangelism, and we're going to talk about this here in a moment, the model of evangelism is you investing in the lives of people and you putting your life on display, you leveraging your voice to help people who are far from God find life in Christ. And so since we are proclaimers, we have to be on mission by living intentional. And I think one of those shifts is realizing that what we get to do here on Sunday mornings is one of many forms of evangelism but you're not allowed to outsource proclamations of the gospel to the pastor. You're just not allowed to. And I would contend that the greatest form of evangelism you will ever engage with in your life begins by asking uh, this, um, this important question. I think we have it on here. Do we have one? What's the next thing, Alan? Yes, great question to be asking. Who am I pouring into with the hopes they would see their need for Jesus by looking at my life and listening to my words. And some of you, when you get to the end of that, there's just a little tinge, right? Like, ooh. But by looking at my life and listening to my words. So go ahead, ask yourself that question. Who am I pouring into in the hopes they would see their need for Jesus? And as they do that, they see their need for Jesus by looking at my life, by listening to my words. And so, so a valid question, if I was you, is where do you get this kind of invitation from the Bible? Right? Where, where does God tell us that's the model? 
that we, we are to be doing this. And I think there's a lot of places, but for us, we're going to go 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to travel down that avenue just for a little bit. All right, 2 Corinthians, toward the end of your, toward the uh, last third of your Bible. And I like to go here because I like to go here consistently because uh, it helps us understand our role in the story of God. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that, that one has died for all, that Jesus has died for all of us, therefore all have died, and he died for all, uh, that those who live might no longer live for, what's that word? Themselves, but for who? Him. Somebody anticipated that. Very good. Uh, that he died for all, that those who no longer live for themselves, but live for him who for their sake died and was raised. And when, when I was first learning this passage, I was reading the NIV translation, uh, and, and I love the word that they use there instead of control. Not that I have a problem with the word control, uh, but, but they use this word, and instead of control, it says, for the love of Christ compels us. Compels us. It's, it takes me back to these moments in the book of Acts, uh, when like Peter and John are uh, being arrested and they're standing trial and and basically the the court and the the, the churchy people they can't really do they don't have a cause or um, a case to bring against them and and they their sentence is simply this hey um, stop talking about Jesus so much <laughs> and they look and they say I I can't do anything but that. I can't be silent about what God has done for me through Christ. And I love this idea. For the love of Christ, it compels me into action. It controls me. It changes me. Uh, and, and so, and I think, you know, we, we really find out why this love compels us in, in these next two verses, 16 and 17. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him this, thus no longer. Therefore, okay, so here's what you need to know. Okay, if I am in Christ, what am I? Alright? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That Jesus changes everything. And if you are in Him, you are new. You are no longer trapped under the dominion of, of sin that leads to death. We... We've been called into what Peter told us, a marvelous light. A marvelous light. The old is behind us. The new has come. We get to walk as new creations in a world that desperately needs to see something new. But the question is, who's putting all of this together? So let's go to verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you like to underline or circle in your Bible, this is huge. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That God gives you Purpose. God gives you purpose. 
And it's larger than your abilities. It's larger than what your diploma allows you to do. That God literally gives you a reason for living. He gives you this. And this is the gospel, that, that God made a way in Jesus when no other way was possible. That, that God calls us to himself through the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ. And as a result, he includes us in this great story that he's telling. Then we'll go to verses 20 and 21. Therefore, I love it when it gets to words like therefore, because it tells us, hey, something has just been said that's leading you to something even greater. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. And that, that phrase right there, that verse, those words in me at times. That in my manner of living, in my manner of speaking, God is making His appeal to the world through me. What an incredible responsibility. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the Gospel. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, okay? For our sake, He, being God, made Him, being Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become righteous, the righteousness of God. We might be made right before God. And so if you've ever been reluctant to share Christ with someone because you worry you don't feel you have the right words or you feel you don't have a deep enough theology or, or that maybe your past way of living discredits you from being a missionary to the people in your life, understand this, some of our past is the greatest testimony for the gr- grace and the love of God. But, but if you've ever said, okay, I don't feel qualified or able or equipped to talk to people about Jesus, you don't have to look very much further than these two verses. That, that we are promised the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the right words since God's the one calling people to Himself. What we do is we serve as ambassadors. And you know what an ambassador does? They, borrow, they use the words, they use the voice of the one that they come on behalf of. So if we have an ambassador that's speaking to the United Nations, they are carrying the voice of the president to whoever it was. And so this is what we get to carry. We carry the voice of God into a people who are far from Him. And so we're promised the Spirit. And for some, we really just need to ask about the validity of our hesitancies. Some of us don't want to talk to people like Jesus because um, we think it's too weird (laughs) or we're just too lazy. And what we do is we forget the urgency that in matters of life and death, all that really matters is life or death. And so 2 Corinthians 5, it explains what we are hoping to do when we invest in the lives of others for the purpose of mission. That, that we implore you to get your life right with God through Jesus. And the most, it's the most important decision a person will ever make. And it's a decision that, that, that there are people in your life right now whose greatest issue in life isn't how do we get them the next job or how do we get them into that new house or how do we get them into the new car or what do we do about their kids. 
the greatest issue they face in their lives is, is their heart right with God? And God has placed you in their lives for purpose. So we, we start wrapping this up. All right, so mission, missional. It's, it's being intentional about reaching others with the message of Christ while serving them with the love of Christ. That we are on mission when we are intentional about reaching others with the gospel in both our actions and our words. And so, so here at Merge, we want to foster a culture of a love for God and a love for people. Okay? And again, we didn't coin that phrase. It's in the Bible. It's there. We just get to walk inside it. And so for some, that's going to mean possibly you opening up your home to your neighbors who are unchurched and helping them walk with them into the waters of life with God. Uh, for some, it means you walking into some really messy parts of people's lives. Uh, for some, it's getting a phone call late, late, late at night when all hell seems to be breaking loose in a person's life. And you say, why me? Right? Why me, God? Watching Netflix, it was so good. Now I have to help this person who's having a hard time. But that's always given to you for purpose. For some, that might just mean finding ways to be more intentional about your voice in the office. For some families, it might mean changing the way you think about family vacations. And you say, hey, let's, let's go on a trip this year where we actually get to serve people with Jesus so that our, our kids can learn how we are modeling walking in the light of the gospel. But, but maybe, maybe for, perhaps that's, that's too wide net for, for a lot of us. And so let's, let's try to shrink the net, okay? A lot of you spend more time with your sports families than you do your church family, Right? A lot of you spend more time with your Camp Gladiator family than you do your church family or your rec leagues or, you know, and, and none of that's a, that's not a shot, okay? I used to have a pastor that that was a shot, like, ah, oh, you people spend more time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If we're going to be missional, that's the way it has to work. Okay? But it's recognizing this, that if nothing is to chance to God, and if I do believe that God has everything in control of my life, that He knows all things, He conditions all things for purpose, being the purpose of His glory, then it's entirely plausible that those people you spend so much time with on Saturdays and at practices with during the week, that God has sent them into your life for a reason. So how can you be missional with them. And it's one of the easiest things to do when you got those people to be very surface driven. So so how can you be missional with those people that you see consistently? That, that God has placed and this is I want us to understand that God has placed those families, those people in your life so that you can be intentional when it comes to the opportunity you have to live out the gospel before them. When it comes to how you serve them. We don't, we don't seek deep enough relationships anymore. We don't. We want surface relationships and we want a lot of them. 
But that's not what God has called us to. He's called us to grow deep with people. He's called us to walk through the muck and the mire and the challenges of other people's lives for the purpose of His glory. And so so this is what I want to do. In your talk notes, I'm giving you just a couple questions. And if you're not chicken, right? If you're not chicken, you'll you'll try to carry these and you'll try to chew on these over these next couple days. And it's simply this. As we talk about um, people that God is putting in our paths, we simply want to ask these four questions. What fields of mission is God placing me in? Where has He sent me? Do I have kids? What are they doing? How, am I, how, can, how can I make friends with their friends' parents? How intentional am I being in those fields? Who am I serving presently in efforts to help them see their need for Jesus? And then lastly, I almost didn't leave it, but it bothered me and it kept bothering me all week long. What, what needs to change in my life in order to be a more effective person living on mission? Because my guess is that there's something that as you ask that question, the Spirit comes in and says, this needs to change. And He doesn't do it to remove joy. He doesn't do it to, to impose guilt or shame. He does it because He says, God loves you so much. I know. You're getting excited. It's okay. That God loves you so much that He really does want the best for you. And there are things you change, you repent, you turn away from because they're not what's best for you. So I wonder what that looks like uh, for us. It's okay, Troy. I wonder. I just wonder. I wonder what it looks like for you, because a healthy church is filled with healthy people. And we can say all day long here at Merge, we are a missional community. And that can mean nothing if we aren't missional people. I love you guys. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. As we wrap up, we want to make just a couple things available to you. If if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you live in darkness and you long to walk in marvelous light, we want to celebrate and walk with you. So the way that works is Troy and, and Jessica and Keith and Kim, they're going to be in that back corner and they, they will lead you to a place where y'all can talk and y'all can pray together. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you. We believe there are things in life, times in life when you need the surrounding of community. And we want to pray with you. And then lastly, if you just want to take some time and remember what Jesus did for you through communion, we have those elements available too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you rescue us for the purpose of mission. And I pray you would give us both the courage and the wisdom in how we best walk through that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.